From Studio A in Greenwich, Connecticut, Carl Higby. Hey, so welcome back to the Carl Higby Show. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, uh, but one of the things that's most concerning that's on the top of my radar is a, a congressional, U.S. congressional candidate, uh, Rashida Tlaib, I believe you pronounce her name. She is running for Congress out of Michigan, and she recently spoke at a Muslim conference that is very controversial. So I wanted to bring in a good friend of mine, fellow SEAL, owner of Bottle Breacher, Eli Crane. How are you? Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. So, uh, you know, you, I talked to you a little bit about this this morning. You read up on this woman. Uh, she spoke at the Islamic Society of North America's annual conference alongside numerous radical figures, um, you know, individuals who have defended terrorist groups, Hamas, CARE, uh, openly called for violence against Israel and pushed for extreme punishment for homosexuals. How is this woman running on the Democratic ticket? Well, is, it, is anything surprising anymore when you see it coming from the Democratic <laughs> ticket? I mean, how are we even talking about socialism these days? I mean, yeah. when you and I were kids, that was a that was an insult. Yeah. You know, so it, it never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. So, you know, this is the problem is, is she's not running. She doesn't have a legitimate opponent so or any opponent at this point. So she's probably going to be a congresswoman, um, you know. How do these views, how are these views leaking into mainstream society? Well, I'm glad that you brought it up, Carl. And I think a lot of us that are starting to become more and more concerned with uh, policies from the left um, and what liberals are up to these days um, are asking these same questions. And for me, it always comes back to the root or the disease, right? I just see this this young lady as a symptom, um, like so many of the prominent liberal figures today. And when I when I start backtracking to what is the actual disease, I feel like a lot of it is being, um, you know, downloaded to these individuals in our liberal indoctrinization camps or our universities and our schools. And I think um, it's been very disheartening and disappointing to see, you know, conservatives really give up that battleground and not understand that that is the battleground that is the most important, probably the most important, because that's where we're losing our youth. That's where we're losing a lot of our citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to these schools, they're really only taught, they're really only taught how to think, um, not, how, you know, or excuse me, what to think, not how to think. And it's right. really concerning. And I think that's why you see a lot of the things that you see going on today. They don't get exposed to conservative thought leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have um, prominent speakers like Ben Shapiro and Coulter, a lot of these folks that want to go in there and give the other side you know, you have to get 600 police officers there to make sure that there's not some type of riot. And it's just insane. Yeah. Well, Eli, maybe you and I should grab our old buddies and go speak at Berkeley and see if they do anything. You know, Carl, I think a, a lot of good could come in this country if you and I grabbed our old buddies and went and did a lot of things. You know, so <laughs> let's not let's not rule that out of the question. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's not far. You know, I, I was on the Dr. Drew show the other day and I said it really comes down to the fact that, like, you know what would fix society if we went back to a society that it was okay to punch somebody in the face if they were in your face um, without getting sued? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think you see that you see this softening of society a lot. Uh-huh. I mean, you see it in with you know these ridiculous safe spaces and therapy dogs. We can no longer agree to disagree. I mean, that used to be like that used to be a big deal of pride in this country is that we lived in a country where you could agree to disagree. You know, you could, 
um, you know, we, you, you didn't need a safe space or a therapy dog if somebody, you know, said something that you disagreed with. And I, I, I think that's a symptom of, you know, how we've been raising our kids, the schools that we allow them to go to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the fact that everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks there's, they're this special snowflake, like you saw in the movie, the fight club. Yeah. And it's really, it's really softened our uh, society. And I think one of the quotes that illustrates this the best, it, it's one of my new favorite quotes and it's hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times, create weak men, weak men create hard times. And that we are in the, sort of the, the latter end of that quote with a lot of weak men creating hard times for everybody. Right. Well, you know, I, I actually I actually read that quote on a little Facebook live video the other day and I said Obama's a weak man. He gave us hard times, you know, hard times bred, you know, strong men, strong men elected Donald Trump. And I, exactly. I look I look back at this stuff and I, I see, you know, like, look, I'm not I'm not an advocate for violence, but. You know, back in the day, two kids would duke it out on the playground. If they had a problem, they'd punch each other a few times. It would get broken up, and that was it. Now you have lawyers and people suing, and, you know, now it's, you know, it's a travesty of justice and all this crap. It's like, you know, I boil people down into two groups in life, ones that have been punched in the face and ones that haven't. And if you haven't been punched in the face, it's not about actually getting hit. It's about getting back up when you're hit. And that just that act alone teaches a very valuable lesson. Yeah, and I think you and I were uh, very fortunate to go through probably the toughest school of hard knocks on the planet, and that was, you know, Navy SEAL training. And I think that's probably why we share a lot of the same views, just because we understand that not everybody gets a trophy, and it pays to be a winner. And the only easy day was yesterday. And resilient, you know, resiliency is to be valued and, you know, respected and ascertained. And, you know, it's I feel blessed and very fortunate to have gone through that training and to understand that, um, you know, ideals are peaceful, but history is violent. And mm-hmm. that's why we prepare for war. And that's why, you know, um, it's so important to understand what's going on in this country and not to get complacent and take it for granted. Because I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we're in the spot that we are at, as in this country is because the silent majority mm-hmm. has lived up to their name. They've been silent. They've gotten complacent. A lot of adults that you and I know have this mentality and this idea that the United States of America will always just continue to be great. We don't really have to do anything. We don't have to show up. You know, we can just sit back in our little corners and do what we want to do. And it's not, it's, it's not the case. If we, if the silent majority doesn't stand up and fight for this country, make no bones about it. We are going to lose this country. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you take, um, you know, the candidate that you brought up earlier, when you take what's going on in the NFL today, when you take the fact that a lot of millennials are getting out of school and thinking that socialism is a great idea, that's not pointing in a good direction for this country. Right. And it's time that people get off their ass, quit being the silent majority, quit being afraid that you're going to be labeled a, you know, a racist, this or that, a, you know, everything else and fight for this country because we're going to lose it. Yeah. And, and, and I forget who said it, but some prominent president said that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And I ask, would this generation, would our generation, I mean, I'm 35, so would, would the millennial generation storm the beaches of Normandy? And the answer is probably not. Yeah, probably. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't say, you know, whether they would or not, but I'd be really surprised to see this generation um, 
you know, capable of it. I would love to be wrong about that. Mm -hmm. I would love it if, if they were capable of, uh, you know, holding down the fort and doing what needed to be done. But from what I see, you know, I just, I just don't see it. And honestly, when you look at who's to blame for it, it's not them. It's us. It's the silent majority. It's their parents. It's their grandparents who have become complacent Mm -hmm. and have not continued to fight for this country, who have not taught them that this is a great country. I can't believe how many youth I talk to today that don't even believe that this is a good country. I know. I I hate it. You want to talk about biting, you know, the hand that feeds you. And I mean, being completely, you know, ungrateful for what you have. And I can't, I see it. I see it in our universities. I see it with what's going on with our athletes kneeling for the flag. I see it in so many ways. And I think, Carl, you and I would both agree with the fact that this country is not perfect. It never has been, and it never will be. But you show me a country that's done as much as we've done to promote social justice, that's brought as much innovation, freedom, and prosperity into this world. I mean, right now I'm listening to, this morning on my way to work, I'm listening to what's going on with Syria with, you know, Russia um, and, and the Iranians, you know, and several bad actors. And what's the United States thinking about doing? We're thinking about getting in there, mixing up in it, and protecting those that can, can't protect themselves. And how many times have we done that throughout, know. you know, throughout history? We've done it over and over and over again. And when we do it, there's often a lot of critics, you know. Mm-hmm. But the United States... We have a certain morality about us. We have a certain idea that, you know, it's we need to do what we can to protect those that can't protect themselves. I love this country. I know you do. Both of us would have fought and died for it. Mm-hmm. And it just breaks my heart that a lot of, you know, youngsters growing up today, they don't even understand how great they have it here. Well, most of them and don't, that's when, don't that's even when remember 9-11. No, they don't. Yeah. I mean... For me, I joined the Navy the week after 9-11 because I knew that this country needed, you know, the next generation to stand up and say, send me. I will sacrifice my life so that my kids, you know, if I ever have any, my and my future generations get to grow up with mm-hmm. the freedom and prosperity that I did. Yeah. And, and you know, it just breaks my heart. You, we talked a little bit about, you know, America being so great. Like, look, America's just better than every other nation. I mean, that's why we were the first to the moon. That's why we, you know, it, were the first in flight. We crossed the Atlantic. That's why we win more gold medals than any other country. I mean, like 2014 Olympic uh, Olympics, we put away five times more gold medals than China, who has five times our population. Or maybe it was double their whatever. But it, I mean, it, it's significantly more either way. And I look at this, and everyone's like, well, all these liberals are like, well, you know, America's a racist country. It's like, you know what? Every country has had slavery at some point, or every empire, let's say. America's yep. the first country to ever fight a war amongst itself to to end it. You know, and like yeah, you, you said. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's something that I just researched recently. I was reading Dinesh D'Souza's book, uh, Death of a Nation, mm-hmm. and in that he goes into – kind of the history of it. And I didn't know this, but the first slaves showed up to this country in about 1619 on the shores of Virginia. Mm -hmm. That was 150 years before our founding fathers ever even got together. And a lot of people today that are ripping down these statues try and blame that on our founding fathers when we were a British colony. And that's when the first slaves showed, showed up. So the founding fathers had to deal with a horrible situation, you know, and a lot of the language 
in our founding documents, they what they were trying to do is they were trying to reverse that course. Mm-hmm. And so they get they get blamed with a lot of a lot of that. And, you know, I think it's I think it's they did a phenomenal job. And I think if we remembered what our founding fathers were about, we make a shirt here at Bottle Breachers that says WWFFD, what would our founding fathers do? I don't think we'd be in half of the mess that we are today. No, and, and interpret the Constitution as written. Um, that is something that people is not a living, breathing document. You know, they, they restrict what they call assault rifles, yet are happy to let, you know, social media, which wasn't around at the First Amendment either, um, reign free. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's shocking, man. You know, I love that you bring up the Second Amendment. This is one of the things that I'm the most passionate about, actually. I don't feel that a lot of, uh, I don't feel that a lot of uh, individuals, adults, my peers even understand, um, you know, what the Second Amendment was about. They, if you ask, I started doing some polling, started talking to some people, and I found out that the majority of people I know and the majority of people I polled, almost 95% of them when I asked, what, what does the Second Amendment mean? The majority of them told me it's, the, it's about the right to bear arms, if they even knew what it was about. And it's funny because when you read the Second Amendment, you understand that it's not only about the right to bear arms, but more importantly, the right to regulate a, well, uh, a militia. Mm-hmm. Right. And what the, the whole point of that is in case the citizens of this country ever have to go and try and overthrow a tyrannical government, that we have the ability to do so. And so I wrote an article in Law Enforcement Today where it said, I'll see your predator drone in your aircraft carrier or your I'll see your AR-15 and raise you a predator drone in an aircraft carrier. I don't think most people understand, Carl, what it would be like you have to fight against a tyrannical government in the United States today with aircraft carriers, predator drones, Abrams tanks, fighter jets, and the only thing you had to defend yourself with was an AR-15, how lopsided of a fight that would be. It would be like going to war with Iraq. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's insane how few of our our citizens, our children, even because they're not taught civics anymore, even understand what that Second Amendment is about or what that would look like. In the if we had to fight a tyrannical government here in the United States. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is shocking. I'm glad, you know, <clears throat> I, I fancy myself a bit of a constitutionalist. And one of the things that people always say, like, well, it's it's not, it's you know, the Second Amendment is about hunting, or it's, you know, it, it's about, no. we don't, you know, we don't have a militia anymore because that's the National Guard. And I want to, you know, verbatim, if you, if you read the Second Amendment, like, I, I study this stuff inside and out, it says a well-regulated militia, but... After that is a comma, being necessary to the security of the free state, pause, another comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. So all three individual rights within the Second Amendment are protected, right? Uh, a well-regulated militia, right? The, and it's necessary for the security of the free state and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall all not be infringed individually. And I think it's people important for people to understand that because... It's you know it's not about hunting and I, I'm really you know a lot of people voted for Trump for the Supreme Court and right. it's coming to a head on what's going to happen here and I think that you know people who don't understand the Second Amendment have been cushioned by you know ourselves who are willing to go put foot to ass for the country and it's it's a travesty and they, I hope they never see war but at the same time it would behoove them to see it right and I think it's important that we understand you know, one of the rules of a tyrant, right? Um, one of the rules of a tyrant is you, 
you control the media and you take away the guns. That's what every tyrant has ever done. They know that those are the two things that they need to control. They need to control information flow, what the populace, what the citizens are hearing, and they also need to disarm them because they can't, they can't afford to have a resistance. And you could make serious arguments with the exception of a couple prominent conservative outlets. The mainstream media is largely controlled by, by liberals, right? And, and then if you, you hear their messaging and how they continue to chomp at the bit to try and take away and whittle away the Second Amendment, you can kind of see what's coming. And it goes right in line you know, with what liberals are all about and what the Democratic Party for years and decades have been about, and that's big government. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. That's what they're after. Yeah. And, you know, it's you you're right. It is coming to a head. And that's what I'm talking about with the silent majority needs to get off their ass and quit being the silent majority or we're going to lose. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people, I said, you think that we haven't strayed that far from what we were founded on? I said, we fought the Revolutionary War over a 2% tax hike and a breakfast beverage. And people right. are starting to get fed up now. And it's like you can only push so far until people have had enough. Yeah, and I think many people have had enough. And I think, you know, that's exactly why you see, you know, the people elected a fighter like Donald Trump. They didn't elect Donald Trump because they wanted him to lead their Bible study. Let's be serious. They elected Donald Trump because they knew this guy would fight, and they knew he had, you know, skin as thick as an M1 Abram tank. They knew that he would do everything he could to drain the swamp. You don't have to like... You don't have to like his diplomacy. You don't have to like how he says things, but this guy gets things done. And that's, you know, that's why the American people love him. That's why his base is still supportive of him, even though he's faced, you know, opposition like no other president has faced. And, you know, I really hope this guy gets elected in 2020. And I really would love to see, you know, what the United States looks like after eight years of President Trump. Yeah. And it's, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, look, he may not be perfect, but he's perfect for me. And if at the end of the day, 20, you may not be regarded now by the, you know, the, the the entire, the entirety of the left, but 20 years from now, he's going to be revered as Reagan is. I I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. Um, And, you know, it's, it's one of these things where when you just look at the things he's done under the opposition that, that he's done like if McCain wouldn't have tanked you know Obamacare I mean can you imagine what 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 the outlook um and the potential uh, on uh President Trump's candidacy would have been if he would have got Obamacare as well in the first you know year and a half I mean this guy has done a ton he's done more than any president in this short period of time against the most opposition that any president has faced you know so it's been extremely impressive and, you know, the silent majority needs to turn out, make sure that in November we can we re- retain hold of the U.S. Congress. And so he doesn't get impeached and his political abilities don't get diminished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know I know you're a uh, busy running bottle breacher and making good stuff for all Americans out there. But I wanted to hit one last thing, which has bothered the hell out of me, which is this Kaepernick thing. I've gotten rid of all my Nike stuff. Uh, I actually donated it because I... I know that there's people out there who need stuff like that um, instead of burning it. But at the same time, I am just so pissed off that a guy raised by a white family here in America, given every opportunity, gets on a field that is comprised of 70% black people making 40 times what their average constituent viewer 
makes has this racial inequality that he's now shifted to police brutality, which no statistic ever supports. Um, what What's your take on this whole thing? You know, it just goes back to, it's just disgusting to me. It really is. You know, Carl, when I had a young millennial attack me the other day for an article I wrote about, you know, my beliefs on the Kaepernick thing and how I didn't support the movement at all and how it, you know, pretty much disgusted me. Mm -hmm. And the young man tried to tell me that that American flag had nothing to do with me as a veteran. And I was just blown away that he had the audacity and the ignorance to say that. idiot. Yep. Because he has no idea why I, you, and many other Americans raised our hand and said, send me in a time of war and said, send me to the front lines. I want to fight for my country. And that flag represents everything that I hold, hold so dear about this com- country, freedom, prosperity, you know, individual liberty, you know, the, the right to, you know, the right to elevate yourself and your status. You know, we make out of the, out of the millions, you know, out of all the millionaire millionaires in this company, one third of them are immigrants. The American dream is still alive and well, and I'm not sure how long it will be alive and well. I know it won't be if if the Democrats are able to push socialism, but this is a great country. And when I see guys like Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, you know, especially how he was raised and the fact that he is a millionaire, and then Nike has the audacity to run an ad saying, you know, believe in something, even if it means giving up everything, it's just the biggest joke in the world. This crap. Now, as a business owner, I understand what it, you know, what it means to, you know, try and sell product. But come on, let's let's have a let's operate with a little honesty, guys. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick didn't give up everything, not even close to it. And to me, it's a slap in the face to everybody who who's ever worn that flag on their shoulder on their helmet, on their uniform, who's gone out to make sure who's fought for all Americans, the black ones, the white ones, the brown ones, you know, all Americans to make sure that they're all free to make sure that they can take a knee if they want to. And it just, it just, it's so hypocritical. It's so disgusting to me. And it breaks my heart to see it happen in this country that I love so much. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's bad. Uh, well, Eli, look, where can people follow you? How can they find your stuff, your uh, great bottle openers, et cetera? Yeah, they can follow, uh, they can follow the company at um, Bottle Breacher on Twitter, Instagram, um, you name it. And then if they want to follow me personally and uh, get a little behind the scenes, uh, look at what I'm up to. They can follow me at Eli Crane, CEO, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Nice. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate the insight. We'll talk soon, brother. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Appreciate it. So you can go to at Carl Higby, follow us. Make sure you don't miss an episode of the show. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the good stuff. Or you can go to carlhigby.com where you can feel all about us. All right, thanks so much.